You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for this, uh, this day that we have to gather here to hear about what you are doing um, around the world. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do call your faithful servants into the harvest fields of this world. Once again, we do thank you for the Tangents and the Johnsons and for all who serve and give that they may proclaim this good news, the good news of the gospel that, that Jesus Christ has provided for us the sacrifice for sins once and for all. And that we receive this gift of salvation not by our works, but by grace through faith. So help us to see, Heavenly Father, that we are liberated by the gospel today. And that because we are free in Christ, because the gospel has set us free, Lord, we are free now to serve our neighbors. Each and every one of us are free to serve in the mission field this community of our neighborhoods and of this entire world. So teach us today about the liberty that's given to us in Jesus Christ. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. Amen. So today we go to Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. I do encourage you to follow along in your Bible. But before we dig into Romans chapter 3, it's time for honesty. It's time for honesty. Who here likes to be honest all the time? It's hard to be honest, isn't it? It's difficult to be honest about who we really are. Who here would like to have all of their thoughts, words, and deeds projected on the screen for us to see? It's time for us to be honest. Who are we? Who are we? Let's get honest about our driving record now. Who here wants to get honest about their driving record? Who here has ever driven over the speed limit? Who here has ever been pulled over by the police? Who here has gone to traffic court? Seeking what? What do you go to traffic court for? You're seeking grace and mercy from the judge, right? Hopefully the judge will lower my ticket down to a parking ticket. I don't know about you, but I've been pulled over for speeding. I don't know about you, but I've received a ticket for speeding. And I don't know about you, but I've been in traffic court seeking grace and mercy from a judge hoping he would lower it down to a parking ticket and he didn't do it. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've never witnessed a judge erasing the name of the defendant from the traffic ticket, erasing the name of the guilty one and then placing his own name on the ticket, and then going to the clerk and paying the fine for the defendant. Have you ever seen that before? I don't even know if it would, if it would be in line with the law. The, the, the judge would probably be breaking the law himself if he put his own name on the ticket of the guilty one and then went and paid the fine for him. Can you imagine that? Going to court, pleading for grace and mercy, and then the judge making himself guilty of what you did and then paying the penalty for what you did? Can you imagine that? That is exactly what Jesus has done for you. 
We all admit we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. But Jesus is the one who wrote his name on your charge of guilty. He is the one who paid the fine in your place. He is the one who has set you free from the penalty of sin and of the law. So let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 again. Let's get into our Bibles here. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, that is, made right with God by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, or your translation might say, as an atoning sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. That was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Your fine has been paid in full. You are free in Christ. Well, today is Reformation Sunday, and I want to talk a little bit about the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Martin Luther claimed that, this, that these verses from Romans uh, were the chief point and the very central place of Romans. And then he said, and also of the whole Bible. He said, at the heart of all of Scripture stands these verses as being the chief point. And I agree with Luther. And when Luther came to understand the truth that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, he was absolutely and totally liberated. Martin Luther was born in Germany in 1483. He died in 1546. Before he discovered the truths found in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, Martin Luther was an, uh, was an August, Augustinian priest. He was a Roman Catholic priest who lived in terror of God's righteousness. And many of the people during that time lived in terror of God's righteousness and holiness. During Luther's time, Germans were very aware of God's righteousness and of spiritual realities. They were a very spiritual people. And for those 13th and 14th century Germans, God was a terrifying judge who would exact strict judgment against sinners. So they lived in terror of God's righteousness and holiness. And Luther and other Christians believed that they had to work hard to maintain a right relationship with God. They believed that they had to work 
hard, that they had to be rigorous in their spirituality in order to attain a right relationship with God. Luther believed that his works of religious devotion and piety would earn God's favor. So therefore, Luther followed a harsh path of religious devotion. He would go for long periods without food or drink, believing that his fasting would earn him favor with God. He would go for nights without sleep, bone-chilling cold with neither coat nor blanket, and self-flagellation or the beating of oneself as an act of self-mortification and penance. One author, one biographer of Luther, uh, um, James Kettleson, writes, Luther didn't simply go through the motions of prayer, fasting, and deprivations and mortifications of the flesh, but he pursued them earnestly. He sought to love God with all his heart, all his strength, and all his mind. To do so required rejecting the world, his family, and his physical comfort. So Luther just worked, and he worked to earn God's favor. But the harder he worked, the more he realized that he couldn't do it, that he couldn't attain it. He actually wrote that he began to hate God as a result of the rigorous path that he was to follow. Uh, moreover, confession was the most torturous act of piety for Luther. He was mentally tormented by remembering every sinful thought, word, and deed. Can you imagine trying to do that? Trying to bring to your memory every sinful thought, word, and deed of this past week? Or of this morning even? Or of the past hour? Can you imagine? He would spend hours in the confessional booth seeking grace. For Luther, the worst part of his time as a priest and a monk was confession. He could take the bodily abuse, but the mental abuse of incessant confession drove him over the edge. It drove him to unfectune, to that point of absolute Despair, despair over his own sinfulness and his unworthiness before a righteous and holy God. And there was a word in the Bible that Luther struggled with. That word was righteousness. Righteousness. Luther understood that God is righteous. That was without question. All those who lived in Germany understood God is righteous, he is holy, he is perfect in every way. Luther understand, he understood that he was sinful. So the goal of, of Christians in Luther's day was to make oneself less sinful and more righteous to attain salvation. But as Luther grew in his understanding of this word righteousness, he came upon a radical discovery that was not taught by the theologians of his time. This radical discovery was that righteousness 
is given as a gift of God's grace by Jesus Christ. So righteousness given, not righteousness attained or righteousness earned, but righteousness that is given to the sinner is a free gift. Romans 3, 21 and through 25, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets do bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believed, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as what? A gift. Justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The judge took the guilty defendant's ticket. The judge erased the name of the guilty defendant. The judge wrote his own name where the guilty defendant's name had been. And the judge paid the fine. A gift of grace given by the judge to the guilty. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. A righteousness that comes by grace through faith in the all-sufficient life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A salvation not earned, a salvation given. A salvation totally dependent upon the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Luther came to understand that he couldn't do anything to earn salvation. No matter how hard he tried. No matter how devoted he was, he could not earn God's grace and mercy. And then he came to learn that he didn't need to do anything to earn God's salvation. Not only couldn't, but he didn't have to. It wasn't a requirement for him to do good works to earn salvation. Luther learned that the heart of the Bible was the message of a holy and righteous God who loves sinners. A holy and righteous God who gives to sinners grace and mercy in exchange for sin and judgment. Brothers and sisters in Christ, know this truth and be liberated by this truth. Jesus took your sin, every sin in this room, he took all of them. He took your sin and he made your sin his sin upon the cross. He has erased your name from every accusation of guilt and put his own name there. Moreover, Jesus paid the penalty of your guilt. Jesus suffered the punishment your sins deserve. He did it in your place. Verse 25b through 26, this was to show God's righteousness. Because in his forbearance, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith 
in Jesus. You see, God will not simply just look over sin. He can't just let the sin go, ignore it, and pretend that it never happened. Sometimes when, when my kids aren't behaving, sometimes I'll, I'll just ignore it, right? Ignore it, move on. Probably not the best thing to do, right? Maybe the easiest thing to do at the time, but not the best thing to do. God will not simply overlook sin. The sinner must be punished. And here's the good news of the gospel. The sin of the sinner was laid upon Christ. The sin of the sinner was laid upon the spotless Lamb of God. Out of love, Jesusly, Jesus willingly took your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world and suffered the judgment of God for us in our place. He paid the fine. He paid the fine that we owe not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood. The work that must be done to achieve salvation is completed in Jesus Christ. There are no works to be done to achieve righteousness. There are no works to be done to achieve righteousness. Jesus was the righteous one. And his holy blood was shed for you to cover you and to purify you from all unrighteousness. So when God looks at you, what does he see? When we're honest with ourselves and we look inside of ourselves, we look inside of ourselves and we see sin, right? We see a, a, a deep level of unworthiness before God. How many of you would like to hit the rewind button and go back and redo whatever it was, to not mess up there, to not say that, or to not have that attitude, or that anger grow in your heart, or whatever it is. How many of you wish you could go back and, and undo all of the sinful thoughts, words, and deeds? You can't do it. You can't do it. But through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in him, your sins are atoned for. Your sins are washed away. So now when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sinner that you see. He sees the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's what God sees when he sees you? He doesn't see your inability to perform. He doesn't see your inconsistency in your spiritual life. He doesn't see uh, the ugliness of your thoughts and of your words and of your deeds. When God sees you, although all those things exist in your life and are true of you, he doesn't see them. He only sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's all he sees when he sees you. You see, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ has been given to you as a free gift. So when God sees you, he sees the goodness of Jesus. That's what he sees. See, this is what makes the gospel wonderful. This is why we sing amazing grace, right? Because it truly is amazing. It truly is amazing.
you have sin, I have sin. Let's not deceive ourselves. We are sinners. But when God looks at you, when God looks at me, all God can see is the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. So then we look at verses 27 through 31 of Romans. What then becomes of our boasting? Can I stand up here and say, look at me? Look at what I have done for God? 